You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On NFL Podcast Friday edition. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On NFL Pods. I'm Bo Brock along with your boy Q. Give us a follow on Twitter at Bob Rack at your boy Q254. Who are we? I'm the host of the Arizona Cardinals Locked On Podcast that's Locked On AZ Cards. And Q, he hosts the Silver and Black, the Locked On Raiders podcast, one of the most listened to podcasts in the country. It was a great Thursday night football a contest that I don't think either of us expected, at least the outcome, between a pair of teams battling it out for the rest of the season for the AFC South title. We're going to get into a lot today, of course. It's brought to you by our friends over at Pepsi because they know that this football season will be different. And Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi's the refreshment you need to power through game day to become a league and a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans, they're the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. How how delicious. How was that Pepsi for you last night, Q? <laughs> it was great, man. It was great while I was watching that uh, Thursday night game. And, and, Bo, I'll tell you, man, you mentioned at the top, it was an exciting game. It was a fun game to watch. I don't know if I have any answers to the questions that I had going into the game, though. It left me still wondering and scratching my head. And just I, I just got so many questions now about both of these teams. Who are the Titans and who are the Colts? I, I really don't know if that game told me anything. I know they play again in about 17 days, but man, I just don't know what I think of those two teams right now. I'm, I'm right there with you. We're going to recap all the action from Nashville in just a minute here. Uh, this week, of course, our Sunday six-pack. It's going to be a huge week 10. And is this the finally the week that the Steelers fall? I know that they're taking on Joe Burrow and the lowly Cincinnati Bengals. We're going to preview that in their six-pack. Also, a showdown in the NFC West. And we'll also tell you about the scariest matchup of the weekend since today is Friday the 13th. And our guy Chad Millman of the Action Network, the Favorites Podcast, joins us. There are some close spreads. Coin flips, but Chad's going to give you the insight to uh, help out and pimp out your bank account this weekend <laughs> as far as the bets go and the lines go. But when we looked at Thursday Night Football, it was uh, here we had the Phillip Rivers avoiding any mistakes and the Indianapolis Colts rallying to a convincing win on Thursday Night Football. Of course, that's your locked on NFL lead story. I'm Bo Brock along with your boy Q. Rivers wasn't a meme, Q. You know, I, I think that plays into the game plan for the Colts. Hey, don't be a meme when the ball's turned over and being lying on your back and, uh, and making it and becoming internet gold. Yeah, no, no doubt about that, you know. But it, it's funny because he didn't turn the ball over, but there were so many right. times throughout the game that I'm looking at him thinking, throw the ball, pull the trigger, let it go, let it rip. The guy's wide open, and it's like he's thinking. It's, it's almost like... Maybe he's trying too hard not to turn the ball over, or maybe he just, well, father time is undefeated. Maybe he's just not reacting as quickly as he normally would at a younger age, maybe a few years ago. Something just seemed off 
uh, with Phillip Rivers. Now, he threw for over 300 yards. I get that. But there was multiple times, especially in the red zone, man, the Colts had the ball for so much uh, time, time of possession, so many snaps in the Titans' territory and couldn't punch it in the end zone. Finally, the floodgates opened, but it just looked like Phillip Rivers always hesitated to pull the trigger with the open guy right there. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. I mean, as far as 300 yards passing on the night, but this is a game that the Titans had control of for nearly three quarters of the game. As you mentioned, I mean, the time of possession, that was in favor of the Colts, but it looked like the Titans were, you know, well-oiled and, and cooking with grease, as you would say, as uh-huh. they were making their way up and down the field. You know, it's 7-3, it's 10-3, it's 17-13. The, the Titans in the second half, the, you know, midway through the third quarter, they come up with a big fourth and goal stop. And the Colts turn the ball over on downs, and then the Titans are forced to punt. That's where this game changed, Q. Yeah, it did. The special teams. It is so funny because that's not ever the area that we want to like uh, point out first. You know, that's not the biggest key of the game. But special teams was so huge. We hear it from coaches all the time. You know, three phases of the game: offense, defense, special teams. And we kind of just throw it away because it's like, yeah, special teams are important, but it's all about offense <laughs> and defense. And this game, you're right. Uh, it was special teams. Uh, a shank punt leads to a Colts touchdown. Then a block punt gives the Colts a, a touchdown again. And then a missed field goal later on by Tennessee. I mean, there's just special teams unraveled for Tennessee and just opened up the floodgates for the Colts. And they cruised to a victory that looked like if you didn't watch the game, they absolutely dominated when they really didn't. No, they, they didn't. I mean, Naheem, uh, Naheem Hines, he found the end zone both rushing and receiving on his 24th birthday. Nice birthday for Hines. But uh, yeah, you're right. There was there wasn't anything impressive from both offenses. Of course, just watching Derrick Henry tote the rock that's always impressive. But he was kind of bottled up in the second half for the most part. Man, I I am still trying to put my finger on what outside of special teams. Maybe the Colts' defense in their performance in the second half shutting out the Titans also deserves a big pat on the back in this one. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing I will say, that the Colts, they do have a really strong defense, no doubt about that. Uh, The trade they made in the offseason to pick up DeForest Buckner from the 49ers was uh, brilliant, giving up a first-round pick for him. uh, Just really helps solidify that defense, so I'll give them that. But just as far as just looking at at the majority of the game and looking at the outcome and looking at the score, if you just, you know, uh, open up your phone on, uh, on this morning and you say, 34-17, 34-17, man, the Colts whooped them. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, they did, but they really didn't. You know what I mean? It's like, again, there's just so many questions that are, are, are remain for me. It's like, who are these teams? You know, is Tennessee a really good team? Uh, they were at one point, but now they're kind of on a slide. Are the Colts a really good team, or is that just a mirage of the Titans, you know, mistakes? Again, I know the Colts are really good defensively, but they struggle offensively, even though they had a good game with no turnovers. It still wasn't very pretty. It was very uh, tough on the eyes. Let me ask you this as we kind of wrap up Thursday night football with a pair of teams from the AFC South. And now, you know, they're sitting here both at uh, six and three on the season. Tennessee, they take on in their next matchup. They go on the road. They take on Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. And the Colts, not any easier of a matchup. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, albeit it's in Indianapolis, before the two teams match back up. Who are you picking to win the AFC South? 
Oh man, that's a really, really good question. Uh, you know, I, I was rolling with, uh, with, uh, the, the Tennessee Titans for the longest, but they've lost three out of the last four games. You know what I mean? It's just, like I said, they were, they were on a roll. They were cooking with grease. They were looking good. I thought, Hey man, they're about to run away with this thing. And all of a sudden, you know, here comes the Colts. And even though, you know, it, again, it's not the prettiest style of ball that they, that they played Thursday night, they got a W and that's all that really matters. Um, I guess my gut feeling, I'm still going to roll with what I've always rolled with, which is Tennessee. But, man, I just it's got to be better than what you saw Thursday night. They've got to be more efficient. They've got to be more effective. Ryan Tannehill's got to throw for more than 150 yards. Uh, of course, we all know that it goes through Derrick Henry, and he's the guy. And like you mentioned earlier, he's fun to watch. But, uh, man, Tennessee's got to figure some things out, man. You can't all of a sudden get off to a hot start and then, like I said, lose three out of the next four and think that you're going uh, you know, to make a deep playoff run. Uh, there's a chance that you miss the playoffs. There's a lot of tough teams in the AFC in general, uh, so you've, you've got to really uh, you know, put your best foot forward. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm just left confused. I'll roll with Tennessee, but I don't feel okay. good about it. I got to wonder if it's finally struck midnight from Ryan Tannehill. Cinderella Tannehill, yes. who just came out of nowhere last season, gets the big contract extension this season, this offseason after the, you know, the, the run in the postseason that nobody saw coming. Tannehill comes out of the gates and he's playing at a high level. And then now in back-to-back weeks, he's, he's barely thrown for over 300 yards combined, 147 tonight. So, I, you know, the Titans go as Ryan Tannehill goes, he's got to be passing at a very, you know, very high level for them to be successful, to get that run pass balance that uh, has made him so dangerous. And without that, it's just Derrick Henry getting hundred yards per game, but not much more to it. Uh, that's going to be key for the Titans going forward. It's locked on NFL, Bo Brock, your boy Q. We got our Sunday six pack coming up in a few seconds from now. Also Chad Millman from the action network, the favorites podcast, some tight spreads going on in week 10 of the NFL season. Where are you going to make some money this weekend? We'll tell you about that all coming up. It's the Locked On NFL podcast. Before we get into that, though, let me tell you real quick about one of our title sponsors, Pepsi, because this football season, we all know it's going to be different. Pepsi's here to get you ready for the game, and it does not matter how you watch it this season. Bo, I don't know about you, but I, I like to kind of sit down, watch the game by myself. I like to kind of study it, maybe have a couple family members around, and that is about it because they don't really mess with me. I don't like to have a bunch of people in my ear. I don't like my phone going off. I don't like Twitter, text messages, all that <laughs> stuff. I just like to lock in on the game, but when I do lock in on the game, Lock in with the Pepsi. It's the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans, the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi is made for football watching. And don't forget, go to madeforfootballwatching.com. Check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Segment number two, our six-pack. It is on the way here on the Locked On NFL Podcast. Welcome back. Segment number two of the Locked On NFL podcast. Bo Brock, your boy Q, and it is our time, our favorite time, as a matter of fact, of the show each and every week. We open up our six-pack. What do we mean by the six-pack? We take out a few games. We check out a few games that we really, really like. I grab three games. Bo grabs three games. We break them down. We talk about them, let you know why they're intriguing to us, and hopefully they're intriguing to you as well. I know I got my three. Bo's got his three. Why don't you go ahead and lead us off this six-pack? What's your first game up today? All right, my first game features a quarterback that the last time we saw him, he was having a rough day against your Raiders, Q. It was a windy, just awful day for doing anything outside in Cleveland. Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns playing host to the Houston Texans. 
And I think that the Texans, sure, at two and six, Romeo Cornell, interim head coach, seems like their playoff aspirations, they're not there, but they are dangerous with that offense. But uh, looking at this, you know, Browns team, which Baker Mayfield's going to show up? Before that 16-6 loss to the Silver and Black, he was throwing for five touchdowns. And uh, will they even throw it with Nick Chubb coming back? You know, potentially, you know, he was activated off IR. He hasn't played since week four. Nick Chubb somehow still leads the NFL with six rushes for over 20 yards. And he hasn't played for almost six weeks now. It's crazy to think about. They're going to get back to that Kevin Stefanski run first offense. We'll see if Baker Mayfield even has to put it up that much in this game. But you expect a lot of offense. Deshaun Watson just balling out. Over 900 yards passing in his last three games. Eight touchdowns, no picks. Uh, No David Johnson, likely out with a concussion. So, But I got to expect this is going to be an entertaining one. I mean, you you still have a lot of stars on both squads. And it's a big game for Cleveland to keep pace in the uh, AFC North with Pittsburgh, who's unblemished so far. But Houston, I, I will still maintain that they're a threat anytime with Deshaun Watson and the shotgun. No doubt about it. You know, this this game has multiple uh, reasons why I'm interested in it. Uh, Houston and Cleveland, I think that it's going to be a shootout, like you said. Uh, Deshaun Watson's playing out of his mind, but his defense is, is not complimenting the offense at all. Uh, they they are terrible. That that uh, Texans defense is just awful. So uh, the, the, the Browns are either going to run all over them, throw all over them, do whatever they want to do. They're going to score. They're probably going to score at will. But another reason why I'm interested in this game is because, well, the Colts won on Thursday night, and so Cleveland needs to continue to win to try to keep pace not only in the AFC North, but also as now we're in week 10 of the NFL season, you know, teams are Mm -hmm. starting to jockey for playoff positions, so they need to go ahead and keep pace. They're right now in the hunt for a playoff spot. The Colts have just slid a little bit ahead of them. Uh, My Raiders are a little bit ahead of them. They're actually in uh, the number six hole right now as far as the playoffs go. Uh, But yeah, the the Browns are kind of on the outside looking in. Uh, They need to go ahead and keep pace. So I think this is going to be a very, very interesting game. Uh, I know it's still a few weeks away before we really get down to playoff crunch time. But uh, I think that, you know, week 10, it's fair to start looking and see where these teams line up. So I think Houston finds a way to get this W. I just don't trust Cleveland a whole lot and I like Deshaun Watson. <laughs> so All right. uh, I'm going to go ahead and roll with Houston in this game. Uh, the first game up in my six-pack, how about this one? Tampa Bay at Carolina. Uh, Tampa Bay is a team that everyone talked about for such a long time, how good they were going to be. They kind of got off to a slow start in the season, and then all of a sudden they they caught fire for a few weeks, and uh, they were really cooking with grease. And then all of a sudden they had a Monday night game against the Giants, and uh, they squeaked out of there with a victory. And then last Sunday night they just got blasted, absolutely blasted by the Saints. And so uh, I'm, I'm interested in this game to see how they bounce back. I'm also interested in this game because, well, Matt Rule is involved in it, and every week I try to find a Matt Rule game because I'm always paying attention to see what the Carolina Panthers have going on. Uh, they lost to the Chiefs last week. There's no moral victories. I get it, but, man, they, they really gave the Chiefs a run for their money. I think Matt Rule is doing some good things in Carolina. So uh, Tampa Bay, Carolina, that's a game that I'm looking forward to. It's in Carolina, and you know what? I'm Call me, call me crazy. I'm going to go with the upstate in this one. I think Carolina is going to find a way to pull off the victory. Yeah, and I want to ask Chad Milman about this game because there's an interesting spread attached to it. But I hear what you're saying. I mean, one team got smacked last week. The other one was an underdog that played the Kansas City Chiefs tight. Sure, they lost their fourth game in a row, but every game, and this is a little reminiscent of the Brian Flores Dolphins last season, yep. that they played hard. They continue to play hard. They're buying into what Matt Rule is, is telling them in the locker room before and after games and during practice during the week. And, and you're right. And if you look at the game in week two of this season, 
the Buccaneers, the, the score was 31-17. And I don't think that was necessarily indicative of how things truly went in that contest. I think it was a little bit closer than that. So the Carolina Panthers, I absolutely believe that that they can upset the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this contest. And man, I mean, if you're the Bucs, you were sitting pretty at six and two, and now you're trying to pick up the pieces potentially at six and four. So this is a, a big game for them. I'm not saying must win, but it's going to be a big matchup for Tom and the crew in Tampa Bay. Let me give you my second game of the six-pack, and it's an NFC West showdown. And talk about teams, what a couple, what what a difference a couple weeks makes. Seattle now, mm. they were uh, unbeaten at 5-0. and oh. Now they're 6-2. and two. They've dropped two of their last three games. Los Angeles Rams playing host to them. This game's going to be played in the new digs in uh, Inglewood. Russell Wilson, get this, his last five games, Q, he's 3-2 and two with nine turnovers. We're talking mm. about him as an MVP candidate. He's not taking very good of a, care of the football. And you couple that with how bad. This Seahawks defense is, my God, the quarterbacks playing against Seattle. They're the real MVPs, my friend. <laughs> I mean, they're over nearly 3,000, almost 3,000 yards passing surrendered through eight games this season. Jamal Adams was a liability last week against Buffalo. Yeah. And the the Rams, they're, they're looking for a get-right game after, you know, the nightmare in, in South Beach a couple weeks ago, the last time they took the gridiron. And uh, they need to get back on, on pace. The Seattle Seahawks is a get-right game as far as their defense goes for a guy like Jared Goff in that Rams offense. Yeah, and you know, it's a shame. I really, I, I love watching Seattle play. I really enjoy watching Russell Wilson. I, I think he's a MVP caliber player. Obviously, he got out the shoots really, really hot. Like you mentioned, all the turnovers he's had lately. Uh, but man, he's got to put this whole team on his back because that defense is horrendous. I mean, they are awful. They're breaking records and not the kind of records you want to break. You know, they're, they're on pace to be the worst passing defense in the history of the league by like a thousand yards. I mean, it's not even close. You know, I mean, that's just, that's awful. And Jamal Adams, they, they, they gave up a pretty penny to get him from the Jets. He's been, well, he's been missing in action because he's been injured. But even when he's been out there, he's been a liability. He's just, he hasn't been the guy that they thought they were getting when they, when they traded for him with the Jets. And, man, that defense, I, I could score. You and, you and me could both score against that, uh, <laughs> that Seattle defense. They stink. I'm still going to roll with Seattle because I, I trust in Russell Wilson, but, man, it's making it harder and harder to continue to say that with a straight face each and every week because that defense is such a struggle. It is on the struggle bus for real. So we'll see how that one shakes out. I'm rolling with Seattle, but, again, don't feel good about that one. Uh, let me give you the second game in my six-pack, and I'm also going to ask Chad about this one because I got to. I got to continue to ask Chad about the Raider game because, well, if, at some point he's going to admit that he's a Raider fan or he's going to tell us why he hates the silver and black so much. But <laughs> either way, I got to ask him or I got to talk about this one with you, Denver at Las Vegas. Uh, I'm excited about this game, one, because clearly the host of the Locked On Raiders, so I definitely want to uh, you know talk about them. But, man, I just think that they're playing some really good ball, especially offensively. And I think that more people nationally are starting to recognize that. I'm starting to hear more people talk about Derek Carr. He's he's in the third year under John Gruden. He's really doing some good things. Even though he's not putting up super stupid, crazy numbers, he's just doing things right. 16 touchdowns, two interceptions on the season. He's just playing some good ball, preparing the team in a good position. Uh, the Raiders have won two games in a row. This is the second game in a, in a three-game stretch of, uh, of AFC West game. 
games, so you know they're important. It's a division opponent. So I'm just excited about this one. Plus, it's in Las Vegas. I know there's no fans there, but the Raiders have only won one game so far in Las Vegas this season. All, uh, all the, the other four wins that they have are all been on the road. So uh, they need to start establishing some wins there in Las Vegas. So I think they pick one up this week against Denver. Man, I feel the Raiders' pain. I've gone to Vegas and I've lost a lot. I've definitely <laughs> lost more than I won. That's for Nobody goes sure. to Vegas and wins, right? <laughs> <laughs> I will say this, though, and I think that, yeah, the Raiders are in a good spot here, and I completely echo your sentiment about Derek Carr and how well he's playing. He's trying to put this team on his back. He's, he's doing everything he can. I mean, the, the, the play where he went up and over <laughs> for the first down late in that contest last week, I mean, he's playing inspired football, and I love that about Derek Carr. Nobody's going to you know, say he's not passionate and he's not giving it everything he's got. And then I, I look at the other side, and I still don't know about Drew Locke. Right. I, I mean, I know that he had a big win rallying from behind against the, the Chargers, but this is a kid that hasn't put together back-to-back solid starts in his career yet. Now, I know he's only got, what, 10 starts, but he struggled against a Falcons defense that's not, it's not the, uh, the monsters of the midway by any stretch of the imagination. 25 for 48. I mean, he barely completed 50% of his passes in that contest. I'm just not I'm not sold on Denver offensively. And, and when the struggles of the Raiders are on the defensive side of the football, I don't think that they're going to get right enough to uh, to win this game on the road. Let me give you my last addition to the six pack. And I want to put the Pittsburgh Steelers for the second straight week <laughs> on upset alert. Ooh. Joe Burrow. He heard all the chirping about Justin Herbert. Oh, Justin Herbert is so good. He's the best quarterback in the draft. Have you seen his numbers? Well, Joey Football is going to start. He started hoisting the pill the last three games. 960 yards, 68 yards passing and seven total touchdowns. Joe Burrow is starting to figure it out at the NFL level. Now, the Bengals, 2-5-1, and one, a lot of holes on that roster, but we saw a just a decimated roster and the Dallas Cowboys hold a lead with Garrett Gilbert. Right. From, you know, he's played in all these minor league football leagues, and he nearly squeaked one out against the Steelers. They had to come from behind and beat the lowly Cowboys to improve to 8-0. I'm not going to – I'm not bold enough, Q, to pick the upset. Maybe you are, but uh, I think it's going to be a little little bit more uneasy than – the Steelers anticipating it's the two five and one Bengals. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park at all. I think that that Cowboy game might have woke him up and said, "Hey, man, don't assume. You cannot assume a victory just because a team is really bad." And look, Bo, we've been covering the NFL for long enough to know that every game in the NFL is a toss up. You look at the records and you say, "Yeah, I think it's going to go this way. I think it can go this way." And then all of a sudden, the team can come out and look like a totally different team than what you've been seeing. So uh, I think Cincinnati is going to go out there and really give it the, their all. Uh, I like what I see from Joe Burrow. And I'll tell you, side note, I like what I'm seeing from a lot of these young quarterbacks in the in the league. I think that the league's in a really good place with these young dudes. Justin Herbert, Tua Tagovailoa. Obviously, we got to see more from him. Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow. You know, all these cats, man. I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing from these guys. Josh Allen, he's a younger dude. Uh, uh, Daniel Jones, I think he's going to put it together. I don't know what they're doing in Washington, but still, and I'm going to talk about them soon. I, I do like what I'm seeing from these young quarterbacks. But getting back to this game, Cincinnati and uh, and. Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh improves the nine and zero, but I do think this is a fun, a fun little game here. Uh, Joe Burrow battles with the Steelers and battles till the end, but uh, ultimately Pittsburgh picks up another victory, in my opinion. Now. Let me give you the final game in my six-pack, and the reason I saved this uh, for the final game and to talk about it is because, well, we started this whole show off talking about Thursday Night Football. We were talking about the Titans, and we were talking about the Colts. 
you know, Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the for the Titans last season, he won comeback player of the year. I thought that that was BS. I didn't I couldn't understand how you win comeback player of the year because you were benched, not because you were injured, not because you had some kind of major, major setback, uh, nothing like that. Just because your ego might have been stroked or injured because you were you were on the bench. And then finally, you get off the bench, you replace Marcus Mariota and you do some good things. And so they give you comeback player of the year is something that never really sat well with me. Uh, I thought there was multiple guys throughout the league that could have won that award that weren't named Ryan Tannehill. But either way, that was uh, that was something that just kind of just drove me crazy. Uh, just kind of really, um, you know, just grinded my my gears and everything. I just it, it bothers me. Clearly, you can see. Well, right. I don't think this year's comeback player of the year is going to bother me at all. Uh, it's definitely going to be Alex Smith. I don't think there's any mistaking that. Uh, he's going to be starting on uh, on Sunday against uh, Detroit. So this is the game that I'm really kind of focusing in on. I'm excited to see Alex Smith on the field. After everything that he went through, all the pain, all the agony, all the concern about possibly losing his leg, possibly losing his life, you know, having an infection after having surgery after surgery after surgery. You know, it's just it's remarkable that he is even out on the field at all to take a snap let alone start in a game and so uh, low-key I'm pulling for Washington to win the NFC East because well it's a terrible division and none of those teams are going to make a run in the in the playoffs anyway but if there's got to be a team to win that division why not Washington why not Alex Smith who's, who's going to be starting and looks like he might get to start the rest of the season Kyle Allen is out so I'm excited and intrigued by this game just because I want to see Alex Smith continue to do what he's doing not because it's the Adrian Peterson revenge game. Hell no. <laughs> the the uh, yeah the ageless one, right? Peterson, he's right. now a member of the Lions, but absolutely not. He's an afterthought as far as that goes. But no, I absolutely hear what you're saying. I was watching a lot of the uh, end of the Washington football team game against uh, the Giants last week, and you were rooting for a guy like Alex Smith, and you probably wouldn't have rooted otherwise if it wasn't another good story with Logan Ryan, you know, and the tragedy that yeah. he and his wife under you know had recently for him to get that pick against Alex Smith but now Smith back into the starters role in Washington it's just an incredible you know path to that after having 17 surgeries I watched the E60 I almost vomited it was so it was unbelievable what I saw on that as far as what you know trauma he went through on his on his leg and all those surgeries he had uh and then then I look at this team and I say who's playing quarterback for both of them in in the next year or next season, you right. know, is it going to be a rookie starter? Or, you know, where's Matthew Stafford? Is is this is his last run with uh, with Detroit? It's just kind of interesting. It's 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 going to what happens after this with Stafford and Smith is it's going to be fascinating to me. So you know, it it does have some extra intrigue between a team that's got three wins and a team that's got two wins. So and I'm glad that you put it at the end of the six pack because you need a couple cold ones in you for this game to look appealing that's probably what's going on right now yeah no doubt about it but uh yeah just excited about you know what Alex Smith is getting the opportunity to do uh live out his dream as long as he wants to and and anyone who works hard enough to get back on the field after everything he went through uh deserves what he's getting right now and so uh just excited about that so that's gonna do it for me for my six-pack you're done with your six-pack why don't we th- why don't we see if Chad Millman wants to crack open a six-pack with us you think he got some got some cold ones he wants to talk about he needs to crack open some wins so we can make some money. Let's see what he's got coming up next to the Locked On NFL Podcast. It's the Locked On NFL Podcast. Bo Brock, your boy Q. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On NFL Pods, at Bob Rack, easiest way to find me, at your boy Q254. Follow your hosts and follow your guests. Our guy, our gambling expert, Chad Millman from the Action Network, his 
podcast of favorites. It's a must listen to when you're gearing up to win some money over the weekend or just anytime you hear some great betting insight as far as NFL week 10 goes. It's hard to believe that's where we are already. And there's some great games on the slate there, Chad. Let's start with an NFC West showdown as uh, we've got uh, the Seattle Seahawks taking on the Los Angeles Rams. Seahawks, uh, they've dropped two of their last three games. Not talking about betting numbers there, but they've, you know, after their unbeaten start, who do you like in this contest? Well, I like the Rams in this game. And right now, the problem for the Seahawks is not Russell Wilson. It's that they have a defense that isn't just bad. It's historically bad, like potentially trending towards being one of the worst defenses in NFL history statistically. And it's just like the reason why Russell Wilson was looking like an MVP and the reason why he needed MVP caliber heroics every week is because this defense can't keep it together. Just look like, forget about how bad they looked against the Bills because Russell Wilson had four turnovers in that game, you know, against the Arizona Cardinals when they were up by 10 with five minutes left. And even that lead wasn't safe because they ended up losing that game. Meanwhile, the Rams, like Sean McVay is a great coach. And what the Rams have figured out is how to use play action to run the ball. And they are coming off a bye week. They're rushing game against a really, really dreadful Seattle defense, coupled with a Seattle defense that gives up a lot of passing yards to a quarterback who can be accurate when he isn't under pressure, which Seattle can't do. So to me, I'm getting a team off a bye that has a really good running game against a really bad defense that is less than a home, that less than field goal favorite at home. That's the right side. Chad, let me ask you this. I, I got a lot of games I want to ask you about, but COVID-19 is a monster, man. I mean, it's been affecting everything from high school to college to obviously NFL, and that's what we're here to talk about. So when there's a when there's a certain line, like say a certain team is is a five-point favorite, then all of a sudden maybe by Friday, maybe you, know, maybe you place the bet on Wednesday, and then all of a sudden on Friday like three dudes pop or four dudes pop that are real big deals, or even like one guy, like a Big Ben or something, uh, gets COVID-19, he's on the reserve list and doesn't look like he's going to play on Sunday. How does that affect what happens moving forward as far as the, you know, the gambling lines and, and, and what, you know, most, most places sports books would do with that game? Well, the, unless the game completely comes off the board, then the betters are kind of out of luck. Like they're, they bet on that game and it's no different than if someone comes up lame just before the game that you weren't expecting and sort of your bet is going to be valid if the game is played. So from a betting perspective and for betters, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's, it's, it's buyer beware. Right. And so like a game like the Steelers, there's the, the news about Ben has been out there for a while. Right. There's been talk about him being COVID reserve. There's talk about his knee injury. So it's kind of buyer beware if you decide you're going to go bet on that game, but that's the case with any game. So the impact is COVID is just one more thing that betters need to know could potentially wreak havoc with the decisions they're making. Let's talk about buyer beware here, Q. Is, uh, we've got Chad Millman, the favorites, the podcast from the Action Network. Last Sunday night, the Bucks just got smoked <laughs> by the New Orleans Saints. Do you see them bouncing back against the, on the road against the Carolina Panthers against your boy Teddy Covers Bridgewater? I, I do, and, and it's a really tough game. It's a, it's a little bit of a rock and a hard place, right? Because... You've got Teddy Covers, who plays so well as an underdog. You've got Tom Brady, who coming off of a blowout loss and coming off from games in which he hasn't covered, 
covers it at almost the same rate that Teddy Bridgewater covers in his career. Um, but I, I, I'm not going to bet against Tom Brady as a relatively short favorite. They were at four and a half. Now they're at five and a half. Um, I think this, this, this uh, Tampa Bay team, I think, has quite an edge uh, over the Carolina team, especially because you don't know what you're getting in Christian McCaffrey. And I think that what Tampa Bay has done against good running teams in the way they've been able to shut them down, uh, I know they're missing some pieces along the defensive line, but they're still a really high-quality rushing defense. And Levante David, he may go down as one of the best linebackers ever. Like, it's, it's actually remarkable what he's been able to do in sort of a very short time in his career. If you look at his numbers, there are things that he's doing that almost nobody else has ever done in terms of the combination of total tackles, sacks, and interceptions. I think he has like a thousand tackles, 10 sacks, and eight interceptions. There might only be one other guy in NFL history who's done that. I think it's Bobby Wagner from the Seahawks. So uh, he's just a stopgap there on defense. So I like the Bucks in this game. Bo mentioned the Saints giving uh, Tampa Bay and, and Tom Brady the business on Sunday Night Football. Well, uh, how about this matchup? The Saints are hosting the San Francisco 49ers, and they're almost double-digit favorites. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. Like, is there a possibility of them coming off of a, off of a throttling of Tampa Bay and, and have a letdown against San Francisco? I, I definitely think there's a possibility for a letdown. But this is a classic buy low, sell high, right? Like, the Saints coming off that massive, massive win. Everybody saw it against Tom Brady. Everyone thought the Bucs were going to be sort of the perennial Super Bowl contender coming out of the NFC, especially the way they've been playing in the in sort of the, say, weeks two through eight in the NFL. They looked much better than the Saints. And so now you're getting the Saints like as almost 10-point favorites. And on the other side of the ball, the Niners, who have looked so bad, but they have just been – you know, besought with injuries. And this week, they're finally getting, they're getting Debo Samuel back. And I think he's a big part of their offense. Like, and we've talked about this before, the way he's ability, the the way he is able to be a change of direction type of player in that offense and be essentially a huge running back on reverses, on short shovel passes, um, going against the grain to where the defense is headed. I think that's really invaluable for the Saints offense. It's a really important weapon. I mean, for the for the Niners offense. So I like the Niners here. Um, I think they're getting healthier. Honestly, I kind of like the Niners to win. It's interesting. And you mentioned going against the grain. How about a team that hasn't been a favorite the last couple of weeks? But man, they cover an outright win. They take out Arizona last week on the road. They take care of business at home against uh, the Los Angeles Rams. I'm talking about Tua and the Miami Dolphins. Winners of four in a row. You riding this hot streak with the Fins, Chad? I am. And honestly, I've been riding the Fins since week three of last year. Uh, mm-hmm. And going all the way back then, it was easy to see that this team played hard and there was just a massive talent gap. And that Brian Flores was doing things with them that made them real believers. And ever since when they put in Ryan Fitzpatrick last year, you could see sort of immediately – there was just a higher level of play offensively and they became for betters almost a lock every single week. And similarly this year, they've been undervalued and now they're on a little bit of a hot streak. And with Tua playing, he wasn't lights out uh, in that first game that he played in the second game last week against the Cardinals. He was better, but the Cardinals were pretty banged up defensively in the defensive backfield. So what you've seen in this game 
is they opened as two and a half point favorites against the Chargers. And all of a sudden, they were two point favorites and then one and a half point favorites. And now they're one point favorites. The wise guys have been coming in on the Chargers. And the reason why is because they believe the Chargers have been unlucky and that a lot of their games have been decided by by plays that if that will allow them to regress to the mean. In this case, the regression being they will win games that they've been losing. I happen to believe, and they also believe that the Dolphins have been lucky and that it's been sort of outsized luck has helped contribute to their wins. I happen to believe that luck is oftentimes hand in hand with coaching. And in this case, Brian Flores is an amazing coach and Anthony Lynn is not an amazing coach. And so there's a lot of elements that go into why the Chargers are doing what they're doing and why the Dolphins are doing what they're doing. So if you're giving me the home team with a better coach as a one-point favorite, it's almost impossible not to take it. Well, Chad, it wouldn't be right if I didn't ask you. And you know what's coming, my man. You know what's coming. <laughs> Broncos at Raiders. Raiders five-point favorites here. Um, you always go against the Raiders. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, I would go against the Raiders on this one. And um, – Look, I, I don't want to bet on Drew Locke at all, uh, and I don't want to bet on the on the Broncos at all. So, in theory, I mean, I would go against the the, the Raiders. I'm not going to bet this game, okay. but I do think that the number is a little bit too high, and that there's probably more of a three point game than a five five and a half point game. Uh, I think it's going to be a shootout. Like the the Raiders, for for as much as I don't like them, <laughs> offensively, Derek Carr is just having an incredible year and playing really really well, and they do have like really good offensive weapons. Josh, Josh Jacobs is great. Waller at tight end is fantastic. Like on the outside, Henry Ruggs is really good. So they do have ways to get up and down the field. Their defense is just dreadful. And the Broncos have proven the past few weeks, like if there's a little bit of an opening, they get a little frantic and they can play really well in the last five minutes. And I just don't want to be on the other side of a team that plays well when it's sort of schoolyard football against a defense that can't really play well in that scenario. We're going to find out that uh, when you were growing up, some guy in a Raiders starter jacket gave you a tough time. That it's was me. Impossible. That was me. <laughs> you know what it was? Honestly, when I was growing up, this will date me. I was a massive Houston Oilers fan, even though I grew up in Chicago. And so the Steelers and the, and the Raiders were like the two teams that if you were a kid growing up in the 80s, uh, you had to hate because if you were an Oilers fan, you, then you had to hate them because they were always bridesmaids to the Raiders and the Steelers. Um, so that certainly has something to do with it. All right. Fair All right. Enough. It sheds a little light on it, but it's still each and every podcast. I always look forward to it. The feud, yeah. the rivalry, Chad and your boy Q talking some Raiders football, talking some spreads. He's always doing it on his podcast. It's the favorites. Check it out. It's part of the Action Network. Make sure you follow him along on Twitter as well at Chad Millman for more. NFL Week 10 betting insights. Let's make some money this weekend. You bet, guys. Man, oh, man. Always fun to catch up with Chad Millen. Some great insight on some tight contests as far as the betting lines go. So make sure I hope you're listening closely. Make sure you follow him, as I said, on Twitter. Hopefully you're following us already at Bob Brackies. This is a way to find me, Bo Brock, at your boy Q254. You want to hear our daily shows? I host Locked on Cardinals. Q hosts Locked on Raiders. More insight from us. And Peter Bukowski is going to have a full recap. Can't wait to hear that. Make sure you're listening to this very one. Locked on NFL. Q, you ready for the weekend? You know I am, man. NFL action, it doesn't get any better than that. It's already week 10, and there's starting to be some playoff implications. So let's do it, man. Let's get into the weekend. Enjoy the games. I'll enjoy the games, and we'll be back next week.